It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. Big national events highlighted the third weekend of the NCAA baseball season, and the Big Ten fared well with teams like Illinois and Iowa getting big-time weekend victories. Kyle Charters with Drew Charters here for the Big Baseball Podcast. We'll talk about the Fighting Illini and the Hawkeyes. We'll also talk to Illinois coach Dan Hartlib in his 15th year now in Champaign. We'll get his thoughts on the Fighting Illini through the first few weekends of the season since we drew also are the big t-ball podcast we need to get an update because the twins turned four today on this day on this tuesday as we record this podcast right now turning four you got them their t-ball stuff they got the gloves they got bats what all they got they ready to go i got some nice purple gloves oh yeah Uh, pretty is important i picked out a nice uh hot pink bat for them could we get a could we get a big 10 baseball player to wear a Purple gloves. That'd sometimes. be nice. Could we do that? Oh, that'd be good. Who do you think would do that? Trevor Bauer. He would do it. <laughs> He's not playing in the Big Ten. Oh, I thought you said big leagues. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would work, too. But Trevor Bauer would do it. Trevor had a, an interesting week. Uh, I got him a, a one pink bat, which they will certainly fight over, right? Uh, but we're all set. I'm going to present it to them later this afternoon on their birthday, and we'll see if they can uh, play catch. That'll be the... Uh, <laughs> Well, That'll you be are the key here. You are the coach, so you got to coach him up. Oh. All right, let's get into this a little bit. Let's talk some Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Iowa up at the U.S. Bank Stadium. That's where the Vikings play up there in Minneapolis. I was up there as well uh, with Purdue. Of course, Minnesota there, the ACC squads. Uh, they got a little bit more of the acclaim, right? I mean, three ranked teams from the ACC. You had Duke, uh, number 14. You had number 23, UNC. Uh, NC State, which was really good, uh, number eight. Uh, but the Hawkeyes, look, they fared well, 2-1 and one over the weekend. That was the Cambria College Classic. Wins over number 23, North Carolina, number 14, Duke. It was an impressive weekend by Rick Heller and company. What a crazy weekend. They, four, they scored 18 runs on the weekend. 14 of those were scored after the seventh inning. Yeah, That's nuts. They got down early uh, in the game against UNC. They walked four times in the bottom of the ninth inning to come back and tie that game at 4-4, to and then Austin Martin hit a solo home run in the bottom of the 10th to win. They were no hit in that game through six and two-thirds mm-hmm. innings. Uh, so, But they stuck around. Hats off uh, to the Hawkeyes for sticking around in these games. In game three uh, against Duke, they came back again. Duke had won nine straight games. Yeah. Um, so some tough competition for Iowa. They're, the whole entire schedule, listen to the schedule. Kent State, Arizona, yeah. NC State, North Carolina, Duke, San Diego State. San Diego State has beat Virginia Tech, Oregon State twice, Cal Fullerton, San Diego, who's been a Big Ten killer this year so far. Very, very tough schedule for Iowa, and they've held their own. Yeah, Iowa's 5-4, and four, but it has wins over three ranked opponents, number yeah. 18, Arizona, and then the two over the weekend up there in Minneapolis. So it's been a pretty impressive start. You, you mentioned, you know, there were no hit, and they come back, get the win, in the 10th inning of that game, they battled. Even in the loss, I thought NC State was probably the best team there this mm-hmm. weekend. But even in the loss to the Wolfpack, they were down early, battled back in that game, got it tied up. Now, the Wolfpack hit a couple of home runs late, end up getting the 10-6 victory. Yeah. But Iowa showing itself very well in that weekend series. That was a great environment. I mean, it was fun. 
Uh, you know, Purdue was 0-3, uh, lost that game against UNC on Sunday morning. The Boilermakers had a chance with a 4-0 lead, but the bullpen that has been, uh, I was going to say iffy, but, but not even really iffy. It hasn't been a strength thus far for Purdue. Gave that one up. But it was a great, I mean, great baseball to be played between and what was the, you know, the, the, the ACC Big Ten, a challenge up there in Minneapolis. So it was one of several great events around the country, you know, some of those involving uh, the Big Ten. We'll talk about Illinois' uh, their um, uh, experience at the Frisco Classic. We'll do that here coming up in just a moment. Let's talk, though, a little bit about Penn State and Michigan State. First, the Nittany Lions. Okay, uh, Penn State has won six games in a row. Yep. Uh, after a four-game weekend sweep of Princeton, outscoring the Tigers thirty-nine to eight in those four games. However, Drew, there is a little bit of a, a caveat here in this series between Penn State and Princeton. Yeah, it was Princeton's first four games of the season. Yes. And look, Penn State. They... <laughs> They've won six in a row. Look, they hey, played... hold on, on. You have to give Penn State credit. They're winning the games that are on the schedule. But they, the opponents have not been great. NJIT, mm-hmm. Monmouth, Wagner, right. Princeton. Upcoming, they play Navy, UMBC. I'll be honest with you, Kyle. I don't know who UMBC is. <laughs> they won in basketball. It's a team that the 16 seed. Yeah, they've got That's a basketball how, team. They have a basketball team. That's what we know. And uh, Yeah, look, I, I have the opponent's records written down here. I, I don't know. I don't know what it, which records go with which team. Aside from zero and four is Princeton, zero and four, four and six, three and seven, six and four, and three and eight are Penn State's opponents. They did this last year too, and you know got off to a good start, and then you know just could not compete once the Big Ten turns around. You hope that Penn State, you know, this time around as scheduled lighter here, and then that will equal into something. Then once the conference play comes around, but. I don't know. We'll have to see. I just think they got to do better with scheduling if they want to compete in the Big Ten. I mean, I, I just that's where I'm at. Michigan State uh, sweeps the 2021st pitch invitational in Greenville, South Carolina, beating Kansas, Western Carolina, and Ball State. I think those are nice wins for the Spartans. Michigan State improving to eight and three. To me, I, I know Michigan State hasn't scheduled the toughest, the toughest, but that's not. Those are pretty good wins. To me, this feels like a more real Michigan State start at 8-3 and three this season. It absolutely does. And the highlight for Michigan State is the offense this season. And I don't care who you're playing. If you're putting up numbers like this in <laughs> college baseball, you're doing something right. Bailey Peterson is batting 523 on the season. That's in 44 at-bats. Bryce Kelly, who I think led... Bryce Kelly uh, led or was in the top three or five of the Big Ten in, in average last year most of the season. Uh, 447. Peter Ahn is hitting 409. So all three of those guys hitting over 400, all with well over 40 at bats on the season. Uh, even on the pitching side, their their team ERA right now is 3.26. Now mm-hmm. that might have a little bit more to do with the opponent um, than than anything else. But uh, I certainly think that's what you look at when you look at this Michigan State team. And I don't care who you're playing, Kyle. If you put up numbers like that, you're doing something right. And they obviously hope it translates into some better competition here in the future. Yeah, something like 323 as a team, a batting average, that's tops in the Big Ten. They've been, uh, the Spartans have really good here offensively. And as you said, the pitching has held up too. Uh, so Michigan State, I think, a team to watch uh, that could compete, uh, maybe not in the top three spots in the Big Ten, 
but certainly in that next group to get themselves back after an off year last year into the Big Ten tournament. All right, let's talk some Illini. We'll talk to Dan Hartlib here in just a couple of minutes, 15th-year coach of the Illini at the Frisco Classic down there in Texas. Illinois beats, I don't have the rankings for him. It was number 13, Texas A&M, number 23, OK State, uh, in two games, then loses to UCLA, sort of gets throttled by the Bruins there in the final game. But look, if you're going to play three ranked teams in a row, getting two of the three is pretty good. And it's been the pitching for the Illini. By far, the pitching for yes, the Illini by far. that has carried the water here early for Hartlib and company. Uh, Ty Weber has only given up one earned run in 17 and two-thirds innings this season. You combine him, um, uh, Ty, uh, Ry- I'm going to botch this, <laughs> Ryberzik, <laughs> Ty Ryberzik. Uh, who has a 1.23 earned run average on the season. That's their 1-2 combination right there at the top, and it certainly helped them against Texas A&M. Uh, Ty Weber, that is, pitching six and two-thirds. Texas A&M had, uh, they were unbeaten. They had not been beaten, and they averaged about 11 runs per game. Mm-hmm. They hold them scoreless, shut them out in that game. Uh, so great outing by the Fighting Illini. One thing about the Illini, they're hitting 206 as a team. Yeah. 206. I mean, the, the offense is going to have to pick it up a little bit for this to be sustainable. I mean, you just cannot lean that heavily on your pitching staff, I think. And, and it worked over the weekend, but at some point you're going to have to start hitting the ball. All right, let's go through our awards. Drew, first, uh, let's hit big arm. And let's start with the Illini for a second as we can nominate some people here. Garrett Acton had two saves in the two victories against two ranked opponents. He now has... Four saves in his four outings this year. I mean, it's it's a good combination alone when you can have two good starters and one good closer. Yeah, like that alone. If you just have three guys, you can win yourself some baseball games. And Illinois has that and more. But I mean, three guys who are performing pretty well here early in the season for the Illini. What else you got? Yeah, we'll talk about another reliever from Illinois who had a good weekend. Is Cole Kershipper. Uh, who went three and two-thirds in relief in that game against Oklahoma State. He only allowed one run and four hits. So it's not just the three guys. We'll throw another one in there uh, at, at as Ker- Kershipper is 2-0 and on the season now for Illinois. Uh, ben Boutel for Iowa. Uh, I like this outing, Kyle. He came in in relief in the sixth inning uh, with the bases loaded and nobody out against Duke. Duke was winning 4-2 to two at the time. And uh, Boutel came in uh, and held Duke scoreless. He got out of that bases-loaded jam with nobody out. And uh, Iowa, of course, later went on to win that game against the Blue Devils. Uh, Tommy Summer for IU against High Point went eight and two-thirds, just about a complete game, only gave up five hits and a run. Blake Beers uh, for Michigan. Uh, against Cal Poly, eight innings, two hits, just an earned run, and probably the best name in college baseball. <laughs> uh, but we'll go ahead and give the big arm this week to Max Meyer he was from pretty good. Minnesota. Pretty yeah. good. 14 strikeouts against North Carolina. It's a great North Carolina Tar Heels team. Uh, ranked, I, I believe, 20th or around there, give or take, uh, in, in a few publications. Uh, Meyer also won Big Ten Pitcher of the Week, uh, but he'll add to the trophy case with a big arm this week. 
Meyer, two and one and three starts, a complete game, 2.70 ERA, and he's been facing good competition. 31 strikeouts against only six walks. And we expect that Minnesota's pitching staff to be better. Look, he's been really good. The team ERA for the Gophers is 6.52. So some of those others yet to step up for Minnesota. He clearly uh, has been uh, the guy for John Anderson's group this season, as we would expect. Okay, big bat. What do we got on this one? Uh, Let's start with the Big Ten player of the week, Peter Ahn from Michigan State. He's one of those who's hitting the ball really well this season. This week certainly helped. He hit 636 on the week. He had six RBIs, a couple of stolen bases, and five runs scored. Uh, Leighton Banoff for Nebraska was Big Ten freshman of the week. Hit two, or excuse me, two, two home runs, yes. Uh, 545 on the weekend with those two home runs uh, for the freshman. Brandon Comia for Illinois uh, had the game-winning two-out RBI in the eighth inning to beat number 13 Texas A&M for the Fighting Illini. Uh, but that, on occasion, though, are you going to say something? Nope. What you got? Go ahead. We're, we're, we've changes up. Yes. We're not going necessarily complete stats for a weekend. Why? Because we're lazy, frankly. And it was taking us forever. <laughs> Just get straight to the point. Straight Laziness. To the point. We're lazy. Uh, it was taking us forever to add up weekend statistics. So occasionally we will go with a guy who had a big hit. Yes. And we're going doing that this week. It does help you. It does help us, I should say, uh, when, and we have had some feedback from people uh, uh, tweeting at us to tell us about a big hit that they saw. Uh, this one, though, Austin Martin came up big for the Hawkeyes. He did solo home run in the bottom of the 10th inning to give Iowa that 5-4 to four victory over North Carolina. So he will get our big bat of the week. Yeah, Austin Walker. Martin. We like it. Big hit, big comeback. There were being no hit. Six-plus innings in that game before the Hawkeyes came back for the victory. All right, Illinois coach Dan Hartlip coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. And we're happy to welcome in Dan Hartlip, the 15th year head coach of the Illinois Fighting Illini here on the Big Baseball Podcast. Hey, uh, coach, your team coming off a pretty good weekend at the uh, Frisco Classic in Frisco, Texas, beating number 13 Texas A&M and number 23 Oklahoma State. You've got to be pretty excited about how your team played over the weekend. Well, we did a lot of things uh, very well, especially on Friday and Saturday. Uh, you know, I've said all along this is a team that I need to learn a lot about because we have so many new faces, uh, and so it has been a learning process. Uh, I, I did learn a lot about uh, the group again this weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of really positive things. Uh, it also showed us, uh, you know, a number of things that we still have to clean up and some things that we have to do to be able to play at a high level uh, throughout the season and, and into uh, the tournament. Yeah, you said it. You've got a lot of new faces. I mean, I, I would be surprised uh, if you didn't have, like, a flip card with everybody's name and number and their mug on it just to see what they look like. I mean, I'm I'm joking, of course, but the point being that it it feels like, especially from your lineup perspective, you're replacing an awful lot of guys who have been with you and had a lot of success over the last couple of years. Yeah, we had a, a fairly steady lineup for a couple of years, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of new faces this year. 
uh, when I write the lineup card out uh, right now, I'm, I'm putting in uh, anywhere from two to four guys that have any experience here at the University of Illinois. Uh, the, the new group has done a very, very good job, uh, and you know we've made a lot of progress, uh, but but still a lot of progress to make. And you know you talk about the flip card. I still have to pull out the roster to, when I fill out the lineup to make sure that I get the correct numbers by the, the names. Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't got that uh, mastered yet because of all the new faces. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's the truth. I mean, I think, you know, the, the one guy there in your order, uh, Brandon Comia, who was, you know, did a, a great job for you last year, sort of now moves into that more centerpiece guy or veteran guy a little bit for you and he's been off to a great start i mean i think uh what hitting 367 something like that and and has been a real key you've had to lean on him a little bit here early on this season yeah we, we have not swung the bats from top to bottom the way that, that we need to uh at this point but having brandon in the middle of the order and, and coming up in some crucial situations and and uh, getting off to a hot, hot start has been really, really important for us. Uh, you know, he single-handedly won some games for us at the plate. Uh, he's a very, very good player. Um, you know, he's he's a person that got a lot of experience last year uh, on a good team, and, and he's picked up uh, – I don't even want to say he's picked up where he left off because he's a much better player than he was a year ago, and I thought he was a really good player last year. So I'm excited about uh, him, and, and uh, he's an unbelievable person and plays extremely hard. So, um, you know, he, he can do great things for our program. Yeah, you you mentioned the offense, and I'm, I'm going to tell you some numbers here that you know, but uh, that they're sort of ugly offensively here through the first nine games of the season. Though you guys are winning games, so that's the good thing. But, I mean, 23 runs through nine games, you, you guys have got to pick it up. You, you have to know that that's really not sustainable through the whole season, even though you're, you know, winning with some pitching and defense right now, are you, you comfortable thinking like that offense is going to start to come around at some point this season? I think it will. Uh, you know, it's been a learning process, and, and uh, you know, we we have uh, you know put a lot of guys out there that, yeah. that don't have experience at this level, and you know, it's just it's part of the process. Uh, and and I know we need to be patient in some areas, and I'm confident that we can start putting more runs on the board. I, I still need to, you know, figure out uh, where guys fit in the lineup and where they can be most productive. So, um, you know, we have won some games without scoring a lot of runs, uh, but I expect that uh, run production to pick up, and, and I think it will start happening here in the near future. Yeah, who are some of the guys that you need to, uh, you know, to continue to develop there? And, and you know, as they get some more at-bats, you would imagine will we'll start to round into form? Well, if you look at, the the four returning guys have experience. Those guys need to be solid for us. Uh, yeah. You know, you've got Comia. We talked about Kellen Sarver, uh, Cam McDonald, and and uh, Jacob Campbell. Those those four guys need to perform well. And to this point, uh, Brandon's the only one that's performed up to his potential. Um, you know, as you go around the rest of the field, uh, uh, Taylor Jackson has done a really good job in center field. I've been pleased with how he started off the season. Uh, and then, you know, you've got a lot of, of really new and young guys. Uh, in right field, we've been starting a fruit, uh, true freshman, uh, Dan mm-hmm. Dalgale, and at second base, uh, Brody Harding, uh, true freshman. I think those two guys are going to be really, really good players for us, and good players in the Big Ten, have great careers. Uh, but, you know, they're still learning a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, you know, left field is kind of an open slot right now. Um, 
so far, the offense and defense haven't matched up. We've got some guys that have done an outstanding job defensively and haven't swung the bat very well. And we've got a couple guys that have swung the bat well but haven't done a good job defensively <laughs> out there. Yeah. So, you know, we, we need to get that to, to settle in. And then uh, at DH, we've used, uh, um, you know, a number of different people, but uh, uh, Steinbach has been the, the – Alex Steinbach has been the person that we've had in there uh, most consistently. Uh, he's gotten off to a good start at the plate. Uh, still some things that, that, you know, that I want to see him progress with. Uh, if, if we could get, you know, Alex to maybe – you know, be able to move into left field, uh, work with him out there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, that would free us up to get another bat in from a DH uh, type situation. So, still, you know, a work in progress. I'm, I'm trying to figure some things out uh, each and every day of practice and pregame uh, batting practice is really, really important for this team. Yeah, uh, because we do have a number of things that we need to improve on. Uh, you know, as we as we look at, at what's happened to this point, uh, up until uh, Thursday night when we got into Dallas-Fort Worth and then into Frisco late, we had not hit on the field um, <laughs> except for two times uh, yeah. right at the end of January. So, uh, you know, th- this past weekend was really good from a uh, uh, just a practice standpoint to be able to see the ball in the air, uh, both from an offensive standpoint and from a defensive standpoint. So as we get to do that more and more here over the next uh, three or four weeks, I think you'll really see a great improvement. Yeah, I would imagine so. And the good thing is, you know, you're able to win some games and and beat some good competition like you did this last weekend and and do so by, you know, getting some timely hitting, but also because of your, your pitching and defense. It's been outstanding to start this season, in particular, uh, Ty Weber out at the top of that rotation, and then Garrett Acton at the end of it. I mean, you've got two guys who you really, really can rely on. They have the experience, they have the stuff, and it's given you an opportunity to win some games. I mean, Ty's numbers are are outstanding through his first three starts: two and zero with a, a .51 ERA, just the one earned run in seventeen plus innings, and Acton with four saves and, and four appearances. You can't do much better than that. I mean, it's a pretty good duo to have there to be able to help you through some weekends. Well, it's always nice to have uh, you know some guys that have experience, and and you look at uh, you know the, the two seniors that you're talking about with Weber and Acton. Uh, they, they're very, uh, very, very competitive. Uh, as you said, they have great stuff, uh, but they give you a calm and and uh, just a presence when they go out to the field. And so they've been unbelievable leaders not only on the field but off the field and, and it is comforting uh each time those guys go to the mound yeah talking to illinois coach dan hartlib on the big baseball podcast a production of 1017 the hammer 1017 thehammer.com all right so um you know you guys did well in the frisco tournament down there you know the big 10 playing against the acc up here uh you know north of us obviously in, in minneapolis where i was over the weekend, uh, you know, in the Big Ten faring well, I, I don't know how much of this time of year you care or, or look around to see what other teams are doing around the league, but I think it is good for the Big Ten, obviously, to, to take on some other teams that, because maybe of national perspe- perception, are are ranked at this point of the year and, and go out there and, and beat them. A, how much do you pay attention to that? And B, maybe more importantly than that, you know, how much does it matter for the league that, uh, that that you guys are going to some of these events and tournaments and places and, and stacking up and, and beating them? And maybe, you know, it's time for 
some of these national polls to start giving some other teams some recognition? Well, I always look at the Big Ten scores each and every night. I mean, it's important to us that that uh, we play very good schedules and good teams, and uh, it's important that we win those games uh, so that once we get into conference, we have a high conference RPI, and then our, our RPIs as individual teams can continue to grow. So um, I do pay attention to it. As I said, extremely important. Yeah. Um, I root for Big Ten teams. You know, so many times, uh, you have fans that root against Big Ten teams, against other, you know, against other uh, conferences, and you know we we need to stick together as a Big Ten and do a great job of rooting for each other, helping each other, and doing whatever we can to win those non-conference games, uh, so that it, we have a higher conference RPI, which is then going to help us get more teams into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and it seems like you know that obviously that's happened over the last you know ten, fifteen years, and. And hopefully will continue to happen, and and hopefully will continue to happen with some more, you know, Big Ten teams becoming hosts. Then that first weekend, maybe that's the next step a little bit for the league and playing in some of the events like a, a bunch of teams around the Big Ten have, and and winning some games here early on this season uh, will help to do that. You like playing in those events, really being able to to test yourself against some other quality teams from around the country. Yes, I do. I I thought the Frisco tournament was an unbelievably uh, uh, I mean, it was just a great experience. It was much yeah. like a regional, and, and I think that's important for our guys to not only see how you're treated at those type of events, uh, but also the, the level play that uh, that you need to play at so that you can be successful. Uh, you know, the thing I talked to our guys about, uh, you should have an expectation to be in the tournament every year, and then your expectation should be to win when you get there. And so for our guys to see that level of competition early in the year, I think it's really important. I think it's part of the learning process, and, and our guys will be better prepared next time we're in that uh, situation, that type of venue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've been, you've been around for long enough to to sort of see the growth of the league. Are you 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 got to feel better about you know where it's at right now in terms of you know you guys can go out and you, you know you have a program that that can turn over a roster, right, and and still be able to go out and and win some games with some younger guys. <laughs> And you don't have to feel like you have that pressure now of just outright winning the Big Ten, though that's still the goal, obviously. You can sort of grow as a team a little bit and still have a chance for the NCAA tournament at the end of the year, right? Well, first of all, that was a really nice way of calling me old. I'll take that. Oh, hey, I'm right. I think your first season was also my first season calling Purdue play-by-play. So, uh, uh, Dan, I I sort of aged myself there uh, with you as well. Uh, no, I, I've been fortunate to be in this league uh, overall for 30 years, 15 as an assistant, now my 15th year as head coach. Uh, the growth that we've had in this conference is unbelievable. Uh, you know, you look back at some of the things that Bob Todd did early on that, that people really didn't understand, um, you know, and, and now you look back and, and the importance of the things that he was doing to help us move this conference uh, in a positive direction uh, at the national level. Uh, it was so, so important with our growth. And the biggest factor to me has been uh, the uh, Big Ten network, just the yeah. exposure that we've gotten. As soon as we got the network, um, you know, we, we started to move forward uh, with as a conference in baseball. And, you know, some of it's uh, the financial uh, implications that you have for, the, for all the athletic departments. But um, I just think the exposure really helped us and, and uh, you know, 
prospective student athletes knowing that they were going to play on TV and then people around the country saw that we had a good quality of baseball and now they're getting to see uh, you know the, the growth and, and we're getting teams in the NCAA tournament we've got teams to Omaha uh, it, it's it's really grown and been an awesome situation and as you said then that's helped us uh, with our um, with our overall amount of teams that we're getting in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. because we're playing at a higher level. We have better RPIs. Uh, we're beating more teams uh, early on in the year. And so, uh, you know, early early in my career, we were getting one team in, and if we got two teams in the NCAA tournament, you know, everybody was celebrating. Now, you know, we're getting four and five teams in, and I think we're, we're very deserving of that. So hopefully we can continue to grow as a conference and get more and more teams in. Right. right. Part of that's been the facility upgrades that have happened, too, around the league. I know you guys are, are working on a new indoor facility that will be open here in a couple of years. Just how much will that help in, in you know, your pursuit of some more Big Ten championships and, and the NCAA tournament and um, the College World Series? Well, I think it's extremely important that we uh, um, continue to grow. Uh, the, the The facility here, I think, shows that, that we do have a commitment to baseball. And I know that as we get a number of facilities done around here, that that uh, our AD is willing to, you know, look at, at the opportunity then to, uh, you know, do some things stadium wise. Those things, you know, are down the line. But um, just the upgrades and facilities has helped bring better recruits to all the different programs. And I'm very hopeful that this new indoor facility that we have, uh, uh, with it going to be a state of the art type facility, uh, will help get, you know, more student athletes, uh, in that are high quality. And, and, um, you know, the thing that I think we've done very well is we've done a great job of development and this is just going to give us, uh, more opportunities to, to develop and help young people, you know, become better uh, players and, and uh, then hopefully be able to impact them as people. Yeah. Well, hey, I am a former high school te- uh, classmate, I should say, high school classmate of Josh Whitman at Harrison High School here in uh, in West Lafayette. You tell him that I, I said to move up the priority for some renovations there for you out at the baseball stadium. I'm sure that that'll really get him moving. Uh, I'm being sarcastic. I'm sure it will not. Uh, <laughs> but, no, Josh has done a great job. Uh, you know, obviously there's there's been a lot of, you know, different programs over there that have, you know, needed some some upgrades. And so you got to take them one at a time. But I, I'm sure you're looking forward to, to when your time comes up to get some upgrades there. You certainly ta- will take them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm going to jump subjects on you here uh, to make sure that this is covered. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we had a, a big loss uh, from Big Ten, and uh, yeah. more importantly, the Purdue family with Dave Alexander. Um, you know, when I came into this league, he was a head coach at Purdue, and and uh, he was great friends with our former head coach, Itch Jones. Uh, and then I got to know Dave very well when he was in compliance, and then as a scout. Uh, one of the great people in the game of baseball, uh, unbelievable human being, and he will be missed. Yeah, I appreciate that, and it certainly it was a uh, it was a sad couple of days uh, around Purdue, and certainly the the Purdue athletic family there last week with all Dave did both as a coach and administrator, and uh, just as a friend, I think to to a lot of people, and and what he and his family did for Purdue with the, the significant gift toward the build of, of Alexander Field. So I'm, I'm sure the people uh, around Purdue certainly appreciate that. Well, hey, Dan, um, 
So you guys got a midweek game this week against Chicago State, and then uh, on to Elon, right, over the weekend. You're just uh, looking forward to getting that offense uh, rolling a little bit as the uh, as the the chances for you guys to get outside and, and get some more BPN uh, continue here over the next couple of weeks? Yes, uh, I'm excited. Uh, you, you, when you throw a game on uh, the calendar this early, you don't ever think you're going to play it, but the, the weather's going to uh, you yeah. know work out to to be uh, much warmer than we thought. Uh, so we'll get a game in tomorrow against Chicago State. Again, that gives us you know another opportunity to get outdoors, uh, try to get you know, a little bit of continuity with what we're doing from a playing standpoint. Uh, then going into Elon and playing three more games, uh, you know, we, we just we we need to play as many times as we can. We need to get out and hit as many times as we can. So I'm looking forward to the uh, development that uh, you know hopefully will take place this week. Yeah. Best of luck. Uh, we'll talk to you again. Hey, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you. Appreciate being on, and look forward to talking to you later in the season. That's Dan Hartlip, the veteran coach of the Illinois Fighting Illini joining us on the Big Baseball Podcast. Back with more here in just a moment. And thanks again to Illinois coach Dan Hartland for coming on the podcast this week. All right, Drew, let's get to our weekend rotation. Three things that we're watching and talking about this week. Uh, number one is Nebraska's pitching against that schedule in particular. All right, so did Will Bolt put the schedule together or yeah. did he inherit it Who's, from Darren Erstead? Whose fault is this? Nebraska's playing teams that they, they're too good. I mean, you can – look, I like teams playing. We talked about it with Penn State with the opposite end of the spectrum. There's got to be a little bit of balance between teams that well, – let's go Nebraska here in Scott Frost. Winnable games. You know, right. let's just stick with yeah. it, keep it in the family here with the Cornhuskers. And playing good competition, you've got to be able to, to get some rhythm with some things, get your pitchers going, rolling a little bit. Man, they have played a brutal schedule, and the pitching staff taking the brunt of it for Nebraska. Yeah, 40-17 and 17 overall record for the opponents. That's uh, Baylor, San Diego, San Diego State, Arizona, Arizona State. So you look at this team and you're like, you see 8.61 ERA and you're like, oh gosh. <laughs> uh, they've given up 73 earned runs, 80 total Ooh. runs in nine games. Uh, but then you dig deeper and look at that opponent's schedule and okay, you give them a little bit of relief here, but I, but I, but I, I don't know what to think because I, you, I think they scheduled too hard. Yeah, you've got to find some sort of common ground in the middle with. Given your guys' confidence, yeah. for one thing, they you can't damage these guys, mm-hmm. and, and you know hopefully that's not what's happening. But it seems like it could easily happen, um, you know, with some of these guys and and, I, with I, a new coach yeah. and you know all, all these other things going on. You're jumping into this, and you know you got to hope for Nebraska's sake that it's not going to kind of ruin the rest of the season. Yeah, hurt Michigan State. The Spartans overscheduled last year and didn't recover until, what, the last three or four weekends of the Big Ten. And by then, it was just too late. I mean, you couldn't find your way back in to the tournament. All right, uh, number two. Hey, there's a conference game on Wednesday, sort of. Sort of. (laughs) Uh, Won't count in the conference standings, but Purdue and Indiana playing in Bloomington. I'll be down there for that game. Big matchup between conference rivals. Purdue missed an opportunity Last weekend on Sunday, the Boilermakers had a 4 nothing lead going into the 7th. Bo Hofstra on the hill. 
You know, Bo had been really good. Hadn't given up a hit even in five and two-thirds, three saves, but it was not a good outing for him. UNC comes back. They get the victory on a walk-off in the bottom of the 10th inning. Indiana, uh, meanwhile, won two of three over the weekend, including at number 17, East Carolina, lost to number 13, Ole Miss. I think beat high point uh, in between those games. Indiana at six and three has won five of six. This will be the home opener for the Hoosiers after Butler was last week was canceled. These games have been good. I mean, not only just competitive, but the atmospheres have been great. Purdue and, and IU have played the last several seasons in this non-conference game. Yeah. Um, so it's been a, a pretty good series here that they have put together. Yeah, they played once last year on April 10th. IU won 7-6, a one-run game, a good one. And look, you know, if, if there's a... If Purdue's looking for something right now, it's it's who can step up in that bullpen. So a, a midweek game against good competition might be exactly what they need right there to get some guys out who could be looked at at that middle relief and, and see what they can do uh, against a Hoosier team whose offense is extremely well. Uh, Elijah Dunham and Grant Richardson are leading this team, both batting over 400 uh, on the season. And so it could be a good opportunity for for Purdue to find something here that they really need. Yeah, they. I mean, they do. I think the hope was that you'd – I mean, my hope was at least a, a split against North Carolina and Indiana for Purdue. Um, and then – so you dropped the game to North Carolina that was, you know, right there for you. So this feels like a big one, though it's early in the season to see sort of where Purdue is because, you know, they got off to a good start. You feel like the Boilermakers are improved. We'll see, though, in this game – against uh, Indiana. Michigan against Cal Poly last weekend. The Wolverines took two of three games there. Uh, Three really good games in that contest. I mean, Michigan continues to play well. I think we have to talk about the Wolverines um, because even, you know, the record is, I think, six and four or whatever. They played a good schedule. It's been a good balance, I think. Uh, UConn has Michigan's number for whatever reason. The Huskies (laughs) won three of four. But otherwise... Uh, the Wolverines playing pretty well. If you told me after three weeks of the season that Jeff Criswell would have the third best ERA of the three starters for Michigan, I would tell you that they're probably doing pretty well on the season. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Now, that's one outing, really. You take away that outing that Criswell had against UConn, and his numbers are good. His ERA is still around four and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just due to that, due to that one game. So uh, each one of those guys, Criswell, Blake Beers, uh, Steven Hodger uh, is the other pitcher in there uh, that are leading the way for the Wolverines. Tayson Corio for Cal Poly, the number nine hole hitter, got the walk-off in the 10th inning and Cal Poly's only victory in that series. All right, Drew, let's talk uh, a little bit about what we're looking for this weekend. Let's stick with Michigan. It's week in California, plays Stanford Tuesday at Cal Wednesday, and then a three-game series at Pepperdine over the weekend, uh, Michigan did this similarly last yeah. year, went out to the West Coast, played a bunch of games, um, and it was good for the Wolverines, I think, at that time. Even though it didn't win a lot of those, it was taking on some competition, and I think it made the Wolverines better come Big Ten and the end of the season, clearly. And Michigan uh, has an earlier spring break than other schools, mm-hmm. um, I think, here in, uh, uh, I guess, late February, early March. Last year when they went out there, they beat UCLA. That was one of the games they yeah. did win. That was a big, that was big win for the Wolverines. Big. Um, another team out west who's going to travel here to the Midwest is San Diego. They're going to take on IU in Bloomington uh, for four for a four-game series. 
San Diego has uh, hurt the Big Ten a little bit this season so far. 3-0. and They beat Iowa. They beat Nebraska. And they beat Minnesota. Now they'll get their chance against the Hoosiers. So that's a series that I've got my eye on this weekend as well. Well, a little cooler, the forecast for Friday, but otherwise it looks like the weather will co- cooperate in Bloomington as San Diego comes to town. Maybe you want the weather to be a, a little bit bad uh, if, you're, if you're in Bloomington because Indiana will be used to it. San Diego right. won't. Iowa playing in the Snowbird Classic in Port Charlotte, Florida, Western Michigan, Georgetown, and Army. So we'll see if the Hawkeyes... Uh, can you know keep up what they did up in Minneapolis last weekend? Anything else you uh, looking at this weekend? Uh, I'm headed down to Western Kentucky with Purdue, uh, down to Bowling Green and visit the Hilltoppers. Going to see if I can find Big Red. Yeah, that'll be fun. He's pretty easy to spot. He is. He's big and red. Yep, big I and, mean, and red. Makes sense. All right, so you have fun on that trip. I'll be in uh, Bloomington for the game on Wednesday. That should be a good one. The atmospheres, as I said, have been great for those contests between those two rivals. Should be a good one again on Wednesday. All right, that'll do it for our podcast for this week. Thanks to Illinois coach Dan Hartlip for coming on the program. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, be sure to, to download, subscribe, listen uh, however you listen to your podcast. Tell a friend. As well, we appreciate that also. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. You're out!